0: So today we are in week four of the Jesus Gets Us series. And what we're doing is taking some of these commercials that you might have seen on the Super Bowl, you might have seen in other sporting events. Uh, Politicians, entertainers have commented on these commercials, some have criticized them, some have embraced them. But regardless, it's a national conversation about Jesus. Who really is Jesus? Because the name of Jesus is kind of used for all kinds of purposes. People use the name of Jesus to get political votes. People use the name of Jesus to manipulate people. Uh, People use the name of Jesus for good and for bad. And so really, this is a group of people, mainly anonymous donors, who said, let's put a lot of money into this idea of rebranding Jesus, starting a national campaign around it. And so we're taking one of these commercials a week, and we're just kind of settling on, is this commercial really a good reflection of who Jesus is, and having a discussion about it? So today, we're gonna talk about Jesus Grounds Us. Jesus Grounds Us. And what I mean by that is we have all of this adult living to do, right? And it's kind of stressful at times. There's a lot of responsibilities. There's a lot of stresses, maybe even anxieties uh, around being an adult. And then you have all of these forces that are pulling us into greater anxieties around things like, you know, politics and culture and religion and social media. And, And so we get kind of spun up. And as we get spun up, I think we need to hear the teaching of Jesus that says, it's time for you to be grounded in a life and and a value system and a worldview that is simpler, simpler. So simple, Jesus calls it childlike, childlike. So we're gonna look at this commercial. It's just 15 seconds, so it goes by pretty quick. Pay close attention uh, to the uh, He Gets Us commercial. Take a look. Mm ¶¶
1: What a world this would be. Be
0: no All right, so that's pretty cool, 15 seconds, but pretty powerful. I've seen that probably a dozen times, and I still get choked up at some of those images of just children being children, or children helping someone, uh, children not worrying about the things that sometimes worry about, we worry about as adults. Jesus did not want us to act like an adult. He wanted us to act like children. Now, it doesn't mean to be childish or to, you know, shirk our responsibilities that are real, but he wants us in our soul to be like children. So what does he mean by that? What does he mean by that? Let's take a quick look in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Here's the scene. Jesus has grown in popularity immensely. There are, at this time, Tens of thousands of people that are flocking around Jesus. So much so, there are crowds crushing him, and sometimes he has to leave for his own well-being. And then parents get all excited, and parents are saying, hey, listen, Jesus is so warm and so welcoming. Let's get the children to Jesus. And so here's how this goes. One day, some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. And that phrasing means really to play with them. But when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering him. And that's understandable. I mean, this is very typical of sort of adult culture, but particularly during the time of Jesus 2,000 years ago, children were kind of a bother. They were meant to be in homes, out of sight, out of mind, right? That's where children belong. But parents are wanting them to come to Jesus, and Jesus is known for being wide open and welcoming and playing with children. And the adults in the room said, no, 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 this is not for Jesus. He's a rabbi. He's this esteemed teacher. Look at all the important work that he's doing, right? He has no time for kids. And that was very standard in Jewish culture and Hebrew culture at the time, again, 2,000 years ago. It's different now, but 2,000 years ago, the children were supposed to be taught in the home, and that's just about it, right? And in the home, the parents would teach him the law, the commandments, right? The Old Testament, the Pentateuch. And, And the children at home were ingrained in the idea of memorizing the religious laws and obeying the religious laws, so it was very strict. Some of you might've grown up in a strict rules, obedience sort of household. Well, that's what was the norm during the time of Jesus. You're at home. You don't bother the adults in the street. You're at home being taught the law of God. If you obey God, he'll bless you. If you disobey God, he'll condemn you. I mean, this really heavy religious culture. No time for children in public. Same thing in the Roman culture. So keep in mind at the time of Jesus, he was Hebrew by birth, but the Romans had invaded the area. And so they were occupying the land. And the Romans absolutely had no time for children. In fact, it was very patriarchal. The men ruled everything. The men ruled the women in their household. They ruled their wives. They ruled their children. And they decided uh, where and how children would be reared and raised. And it was always in private, away from public life very brutal, very violent, and sometimes the the father could say, you know what, we're going to abandon our unwanted child as a burden on the side of the road to die. That was not uncommon. And so 2,000 years ago, whether it's Hebrew culture or Roman culture, during the time of Jesus, children were not valued. They absolutely were not valued. So, of course, Jesus, as he does all the time, he breaks cultural norms. And he doesn't break them um, easily or cleanly. He shatters those norms. Luke 18, verse 16. Then Jesus called for the children and said to his disciples, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. He rebukes, he gets angry at his disciples. You're blocking the children, and they have the heart of God. Bring them to me. And then he says, The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. So not only did Jesus break the cultural norms by saying, welcome the children, bring the children in public, playing with adults, valuing children. But in fact, adults in the room, you've got a lot to learn from them. Because the kingdom of heaven can only be seen through the eyes of a child. We need to become more like children to see the kingdom of heaven. So again, what does this mean to be childlike? Well, I'm gonna give you um, kind of an obscure journey here about what it means to be childlike. About 10 years ago, Rancho was sort of coming into our own as far as a church that was unique in some ways. And uh, we were really settling on a, a set of values that were uniquely ours. And, and we, we had these four that we were just chewing on. Jesus-centered, grace-based, humanitarian, and fun. These are the four values that we were just kind of chewing on. And, and we were imagining what that might look like just day-to-day, whether it's Sunday morning or midweek with adult groups and children's groups and youth groups and things like that. What does this theology that we were really chewing on and, and, and teaching, what does it really mean culturally here? And we sort of came up with this concept that we're, we just have to get younger. We have to get younger, not just in age, but in spirit, Right? we've got to not take ourselves so seriously, kind of lighten up a little bit and, and, and have the kind of a, a good time that Jesus had with his disciples and that Jesus had with his neighbors and that Jesus had with his, with, with his community and then to take the teaching of Jesus seriously that we're to become more childlike. And so I was walking in this auditorium, it was on a weekday and it was empty and uh, David, our tech director back there, who by the way is absolutely fantastic uh, and has had a very long couple of weeks, David Tossad on the team, ladies and gentlemen. Very, very good stuff. He was playing some music from this band called M83. And I said, well, what is that band? I haven't heard it. He said, it's M83. I looked them up a little bit. And there's this kind of strange French band. They do some kind of normal music, some kind of techno music, some uh, uh, soundtracks, some soundscapes. They do all kinds of strange things. And I want to play for you here in a minute the strangest of their songs. When I heard this song, I was immediately inspired to really dig deeply into this idea that we can grow younger in spirit, that we can be childlike. And so this song actually inspired the first phrase of our mission statement, which is a diverse community of friends advancing the cause of Christ. Diverse community of friends advancing the cause of Christ. That word friends was inspired by this M83 song. This M83 song is called Raconte histoire." and it is weird as heck. Uh, and you'll immediately think, okay, that is bizarre. But it's a child, the voice of a child, imagining just what the future could be. And it's about frogs and weird things and all that. Get the end of it. We're gonna show some images of kids just playing and having a good time. Try to get in this childlike spot. What would happen if we saw life with childlike wonder and we imagined the world that could be, and we imagined what a community of friends would really look like? the community of friends that Jesus himself envisioned. So uh, take a look, take a listen, and enjoy.
1: I heard about this frog. It's a very tiny frog, but it's also very special. You can only find it in the jungle, so far away from here, but if you find it, your body changing and your vision also Blue becomes red and red becomes blue and everything looks like a giant cupcake and you keep laughing and laughing and laughing nothing is ever quite the same really and after you finish laughing it's time to turn into a frog yourself it's very funny to be a frog dive into the water and cross the rivers and the ocean and you can jump all the time and everywhere do you want to play with me we can be a whole group of friends a whole group of frogs jumping into the streets jumping into the planet climbing the buildings swimming in the lakes
0: So, uh, for those of you who are new to Rancho, you're thinking this is the strangest place on the planet. That that is the inspiration for our mission statement. Usually, you see a church mission statement. There's a thousand verses. That, for us, it's an M83 song, and a thousand verses. But listen to what this child says. Right? We could be hundreds, thousands, millions of friends. The biggest group of friends the world has ever known. And we could enjoy this friendship forever. I mean, would an adult ever say those phrases? Would an adult ever use those words? Not at all. If if somebody came to your business conference room and says, listen, here's the vision. We, We could be a whole group of frogs, whole group of friends, hundreds, thousands, millions of friends, people look at you like you're nuts. That's because we lost our childlike spirit. We lost the childlike wonder of all that could be, right? Again, Jesus says this, he calls the little children to him and said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So we've got to know what Jesus means when he says be childlike. We've got to know what he means. Uh, I've come up with uh, six things I think Jesus meant. So here's here's, uh, the list. And we're gonna do this kind of as a quiz. With every one of these six, and we'll go pretty quick. With every one of these six, give yourself a score, one, two, or three. One means you're terrible at this, (coughs) childlike quality. Two means you're mid, and three means you're, like a child in this area, right? And there are six of these categories. So the maximum score is 18. The minimum score is six. Can you do it? Numbers are hard. Can you do it? All right, here we go. First, children live contently. Children live contently. You dress up a a kid, a little kid, and you throw them in school, and they don't care what they're wearing. I mean, when you're a little kid, I saw a little boy in like German Lederhosen. I'm like... This is child abuse. Who dressed this kid? Call the police. But he doesn't care. He's this big wearing leader hosing around town. It's like, you look absolutely ridiculous. Mommy thought you'd be cute. Not. But he doesn't care. He does not care. Just a couple of days ago, I was driving on Pachanga Parkway, and there was this beater, I mean beater car. I think it was black, but it was mostly rust, just chunks of black paint. So I think it used to be black, I don't know, 40 years ago. Smoke is pouring out of the back, uh, the windows either were non existent or didn't work because the back windows were down and it was cold. And I drove by and I'm, th- I'm just in shock that this thing is on the road. And then I see three kids in the back seat having the time of their lives. They're all strapped in properly, they're all good to go, but they're having the time of their lives. Do you think they care that they are driving in literally the worst car I've ever seen in my life? <clears throat> they don't care at all. They just have each other. Dad's in the front seat just rocking what he's got. Kids don't care. Now you get these kids a little bit older and they start caring about what they're dressing. And am I dressed like everybody else? Am I too weird, am I good, right? Uh, you, you get older and you think about the car you drive. Is this car gonna be considered successful or is this car gonna be kind of mocked the way Treadway mocked the bucket of rust the, the other day? So we start sizing each other up. Children live contently, contently. In fact, First Timothy 6.6 says, contentment is itself great wealth. I mean, imagine that. Just grab this wisdom. Contentment is itself great wealth. House I got, I'm good. Roof over my head. Car I got, gets me A to B. You know, I'm good. Clothes I've got, I'm good, right? Get some stuff here and there, but I'm good, right? Contentment is great wealth. That's a wealthy person who's not grabbing and, and you know scrounging for more and the next and the best and the better and money and things. And Kids don't play that when they're young. Being childlike means I think we can live contently. So how content are you? How content are you? One, you're just being honest, not content. I love stuff, want more stuff. Two, fairly content. You know, I need to maybe work on that, but fairly content. Three is I am just content. I thank God for what I've got. Don't need any more, I'm good, All right? All right, so you're keeping your score. You can get up to 18. You only have so many toes and fingers, but we'll get there. All right, here we go. Children also trust wholeheartedly. Children trust wholeheartedly. And you know what I mean, right? You tell them uh, a story about what happens in the skies in December. Oh, that sounds great. Wow, that's how it works? All right. You tell them a story about what happens, you know, on a, on, a, on Easter morning. Oh, that's cool. I totally believe it. They're in Sunday school. You tell them stories of the Bible. Oh, that sounds good. That's exactly how... When you're young, you trust, wholeheartedly trust. Whatever people you trust say to you, whether it's your parents or grandparents or as your Sunday school teacher, when you trust them, you'll believe just about everything they say. Now you get a little bit older and you start saying, hmm, that, uh, that December story I'm not so sure about, right? That Easter story, I'm starting to get some holes in that story. Uh, you get a little older and you think, all oh, these Bible stories, right? A lot of them are, are fanciful stories and, and you start to question, is that actually really? Like history or is it something else? You start to question uh, this trust that you had in your earlier years. Now, listen, when we talk about trust, even biblically, we're talking about trust, belief, faith, they're all kind of interchangeable. Trust, belief, faith is all interchangeable. By definition, belief only applies to things you can't prove. Otherwise, it's not belief. Belief is there something invisible, intangible, a theory out there that you can't prove. That's where belief resides, right? So, everything that has to do with, with faith, faith in God, uh, our worldview, God's interaction with us, even our faith in Jesus. We can't prove it, but it's just a trust that we have. And as we get older, sometimes that trust gets a little bit more cynical. We start overanalyzing everything. Listen to what Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. It doesn't bash our understanding. God gave us minds. Think reasonably about things. And so, yeah, if you start questioning stories, mythologies, and tales for whatever reason, God gave you a mind. You know, question away. Not a problem with that. Just don't let that crush your belief in anything, right? A lot of times people can get so cynical and, they, and, and, and they're just locked in their own understanding that they can't even perceive that, you know what, I have the freedom to believe in something outside of my understanding. I have the freedom to believe that there could be a God who's a creator, who loves, and who might have wanted to know who he he is, and so he made this wonderful creation to reveal himself and gave us this scripture to reveal him and and gave us Jesus most completely to reveal who God is. Just because we use our understanding doesn't mean we have to block out every single form of belief. Let's hold our belief, you know, well. Let's not hold our belief like a weapon, like I've got it all figured out, I've got all the truth in the world, right? Let's hold our belief as a journey, that we're all on a journey together, but let's not lose the childlike wonder of believing in something beyond what we can see. So, how trusting are you? One, not trusting at all. I'm cynical. I question everything and believe the worst. Number two, there's a sense of trust in there. I can believe things outside of what I can prove outside of my understanding. Three, I am very trusting. I still have this alive faith in God and faith in Jesus and maybe even faith in the scripture Um, even though I'm an adult. I still have that childlike trust. Third, Children accept eagerly. Children accept other people eagerly. We uh, have a, a lot of work with kids around here. We just, about 85% of everything we do here has to do with children. Uh, obviously, just vibrant uh, children's ministries and youth ministries, our entire school, you know, 11, 1200 kids, just all over the place. Our rescue mission is a lot to do with, with children and caring for children, uh, single moms. And so um, our heart is really with kids. And we love to watch them play and just watch them connect. Your kids are playing right now next door. And they're very accepting, very accepting. These little kids are not going in a room going, hmm, are you in my socioeconomic zone? You know, are you an R or a D? How do you vote? Who are you voting for president? Are they sizing people up? No, they're just like, let's go. Let's just hang out and let's talk and let's play. They're very accepting. And I think Jesus wants us to be similarly accepting Romans 15, seven, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. I think a lot of us, you know, God wants our praise. Uh, it is, he wants us to worship him and honor him and, and study the Bible and get our doctrine all squared away and be obedient, faithful. Uh, what does he say? You wanna praise God? Accept each other. Open your heart, open your arms, accept people. Don't sink into this adult tribalism the older we get, the more tribal we become. And you know what I mean by that, right? I'm gonna hang out with people who vote like I do. I'm gonna hang out with people kind of in the same neighborhood, same kind of houses-ish, same kind of cars-ish, same kind of socioeconomic you know, strata, same kind of beliefs. And so we hang out with people who are the same. That's normal, it's natural, I'm not even saying it's all bad. But what's better is to get outside that and start making friends outside of your political bubbles and your socioeconomic bubbles, and your neighborhood bubbles, and your, you know, what you like and dislike, and ethnic bubbles, just get outside of it all and accept each other the way Jesus accepts us. So how accepting are you? One, you might be honest just to yourself, I like hanging out with people who are kinda like me. Two, I'm working on it, I'm broadening my my acceptance, you know, sphere here. Three, I am very accepting, I'm just, it doesn't matter where you come from, your background, ethnicity, religion, politics, I just wanna make friends, right, that's three. Are you adding all these up? Right? Some of you are really struggling. Fourth, children share willingly. Children share willingly. Now, some of you are saying, you don't know my kid. My kid doesn't share willingly. Well, here's how it kind of goes. If a kid likes their toy, right, it's their toy, and they're playing with another kid that has a toy, they, they are eyeing each other up. It's like, you're after my toy, aren't you? Or you're after my toy, aren't you? And you're like this. But with a little encouragement, parents coming alongside the kids and going, oh, go ahead and share your toy. You'll get it back to share your toy. They're like, oh, okay, and they share and they swap. Ooh, I like your toy. You let me use your toy, I let you use my toy. Now we have twice the toys, why? Because we share, right? What I get a big kick out of is parents saying, hey, Johnny, you know, share with Susie, it's okay. But the parent doesn't share squat. You know, adults don't share anything. I mean, we just don't. Um, I mean, it's rare that somebody says, oh, hey, use my car anytime. What? Use your car anytime? Did you just? We don't share our toys. We just don't do that, right? Adults don't do that. We don't share very much of our money. You know, we just don't. And so we're encouraging children to share, and they will when adults are like, I'm not sharing nothing with anybody. Children share willingly. 2 Corinthians 9.10. God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way he provides and increases your resources to produce a great harvest of generosity in you. God says, listen, all you have, it kind of comes from me one way or the other. One way or the other, it comes from me. Yes, you work hard and you've got skill sets and you earn money and buy things. Good job, you do great. But really, I'm kind of the one providentially overall. I send the rain for the food and all the stuff, right? I just made the whole thing, so deal with that. He says, I've kind of made this whole thing, so that you could share. I haven't made this whole thing so you can just hoard, 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 more, 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 but share. Children, share. So how generous are you? One, you have to admit, I just don't share a lot, kind of my stuff. Two, I'm working on it. I'm trying to you know, volunteer and trying to give a little bit and help out. Three, I enjoy sharing everything. Here, here's my car, use my house, whatever. You need some money, I'll give you some money. So that's one, two, and three. Five, children live playfully, children live playfully. I think the best sound on earth is the sound of children playing, which is why I have the best job in the world. I love, love, love being a pastor here, but I am hanging out with youth most of the time. We've got a vibrant school here and just about four or five days a week, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time with the kids and really just trying our best to create a culture of play, a culture of fun, not just for the kids, but for adults as well. I think we were designed to play, not just as little kids, but we're designed to play as adults. You wanna know the healthiest adults on the planet? They're the ones playing. They're the ones laughing. They're the ones who, who take time out of their schedule to just have a good time with friends, to play games, to learn hobbies. Let's live playfully. You might not know this. That this might actually come across as weird, but Jesus played, Jesus played. We already read the passage in Luke chapter 18 where he's playing with kids and the moms are just sending the kids to Jesus and Jesus is like, bring them, let's have a good time, right? Not a problem. Jesus also played with his adult buddies and he got in trouble for it, trouble. Luke chapter seven, verse 34. The son of man, Jesus on the other hand, feasts and drinks and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. Jesus is basically saying, I know my reputation. I know what you guys say when you're talking about me. You say, I feast and I drink, and I'm a glutton and a drunkard, and I hang out with the worst of the worst, the tax collectors and the sinners. That's the reputation of Jesus. Jesus had a good time. Not just playing with the kids, but playing with his friends. And he, he opened his arms, and people opened their homes, and he's." feasting and he's drinking and he's hanging out with these people, even the people who are labeled sinners by the religious elite. That's who Jesus is hanging out with. That's who he's having a good time with. And all the religious uptight people, you know, with all their rules and regulations, you better not be hanging out with them, Jesus. How could you call yourself a rabbi? How could you call yourself a a man of God? Even the savior of the world when you're hanging out with them and partying with them. Jesus loved to play. And so if you don't play, I'm telling you, get to it, get to it. Find a hobby, get some buddies, hang out, go to each other's houses, laugh till your stomach hurts. I mean, that's what it's like to be childlike. So how playful are you? Number one, honestly, I'm really uptight. Number two, I'm trying to play a little bit, hang out every once in a while with some friends, have a little hobby. Three, I like to play and I play all the time with my buddies, playing a sport, anyway, I love the fact that I could boldly answer three on that one, not all of them, but that one. Uh, Last, children imagine creatively. Children imagine creatively. You know what it's like if you've had kids, grandkids. They love to imagine. They love to play pretend, right? They're developing all kinds of scenarios. That's the one thing I miss about having older kids. I love my older kids. But one thing I miss is, you know, making giant forts. We made huge, huge forts. Every bed sheet in the house, and we had surprisingly a lot of bed sheets. I mean, massive, massive forts. And you come up with scenarios and playing games in in those areas. And you go outside, and you're building forts and playing pretend. Kids love this stuff, right? We get a little older, we stop playing pretend. Because real life kind of starts bearing in. And, and when real life starts bearing in, it doesn't leave room for imagination because we start thinking oh, that's not possible. It's not possible for me to be a pirate on the open seas. It's not possible to be the hero that rescues you know this person from a villain. It's just not possible. That's not the way life is. So life kind of crushes our imagination. It really does. But Jesus, I think, was all about imagination. In fact, I will say this is probably the most important childlike quality that we can have. So so really pay attention here. Jesus imagined something that in no way was reality at the time. In no way. He says, I'm going to give you this little idea. It's pretend. It's called the kingdom of heaven. It's just fantasy land, pretend land, kingdom of heaven. And if you want to learn about it, read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And in Matthew chapter five, six, and seven, he gives a a little introduction of what he means by the kingdom of heaven. And as he was giving this sermon, called the Sermon on the Mount, I can just imagine the crowds around him, and there's big crowds, shaking their head going, this is not possible. This is pretend. And and he starts imagining a world where we're not oppressed by all these religious rules and regulations, which they were at the time. They're not oppressed by all these political forces vying for power, which was happening at the time. Jesus was born and raised in a system of deep religious corruption and oppression and deep political corruption and oppression, and people were just stuck in reality, and they weren't allowed to dream, they weren't allowed to imagine, and here comes Jesus on the scene, and he says, let's dream, let's imagine, something called the kingdom of heaven, where there is no law, there is no political law, there is no religious law, there is no 10 commandments, there's nothing that you were raised in, The only law is love. Love one another. Love one another as God loves you. And people were thinking, this sounds fantastic, but it's impossible. And Jesus keeps preaching and keeps teaching. And then he says, well, watch how this happens. And he actually lives his life. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He lives his life loving. He lives his life practicing this kingdom of heaven. I'm gonna go to the sinners who are rejected by the religious. I'm gonna have a good time with them, make a lot of friends, and just show them how loved they are by God. I'm gonna go to those who are considered to be cursed by God, people with special needs, people with mental illness. I'm gonna go to them, and I'm gonna show them just how much God loves them. And then I'm gonna go to the Samaritan, the one who's considered a half-breed because they don't have the right blood flowing through their veins. I'm gonna go to them, and I'm gonna show them how much God loves them. And I'm gonna try to teach and preach and practice what it's like to have love is the only law bringing the world together. And the world was so unimpressed by that, they killed Jesus, bottom line. This imagination is too much, he has to go. He's threatening our religious system, he's threatening our political system, he has to go. But Jesus says, at his resurrection, as he's starting the church at the day of Pentecost, He's saying, keep dreaming. My spirit is still with you. Keep dreaming, keep imagining. Keep trying to tear down this religious culture and tear down this political culture, which is oppressing people and dividing people and lift up unconditional love. What does he say? As Jesus keeps dreaming the night before his crucifixion, he keeps imagining the night before his crucifixion in John 17, 23, He's praying for his disciples. I am in them and you are in me, and may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. When Jesus prayed that prayer, fantasy land was not a reality. And if we were to be honest, 2,000 years later, I would say it's still in the zone of fantasy land, but I'm very happy to say we're getting there. We're getting there. This world is becoming more loving. This world is bit by bit kind of tearing down a religious culture that keeps people in guilt and shame and fear. Hopefully, I pray that we will keep tearing down this political culture which keeps manipulating people and tearing each other apart to get clicks and money and votes. And what needs to elevate here is is this childlike spirit that says to our family and says to our friends and says to our church, let's keep dreaming about a whole new world called the kingdom of heaven where love is the only law where everyone is so enthralled by the unconditional love that God has for us that we just have to love each other no matter what. And you talk about the world changing, that's how it changes. But in order to seize that, you've gotta imagine it. Don't let your adulting crush this imagination. Because like Jesus, you can start talking like this. And like Jesus, you can start living your life like this. And a whole new world will arise. So how imaginative are you Number one, I'm not with you yet. Adult has robbed my imagination. Number two, I'm working on it. I can kind of dream about some things. Haven't lost my spirit there. Or three, let's keep dreaming, let's keep dreaming. A million frogs is best friends, let's do it, (laughs) right? Let's go, let's go. I'm gonna give you the score sheet. This is purely unscientific and completely entirely uh, worth nothing, but just for kicks. If you're six through nine, it should be six through nine, uh, you, need, um, you need a, a real kickstart to your heart here. Uh, you've got some issues. <laughs> you're too adult. You're just, you've got, you don't have a lot of spark. Uh, 10 through 13, you haven't lost your childlike spirit, but you could use a little boost. 14 through 18, you've got a childlike spirit that is wonderful. If you're 17 and 18, you probably do have to grow up a little bit, but we can talk. <laughs> don't lose your childlike wonder. To close with this thought, adulting is necessary but overrated. We have responsibilities, right? We have got responsibilities, you gotta provide for your family, you gotta raise your kids responsibly, you have got a job that you need to perform well in. Adulting is necessary but entirely overrated. Do your adult stuff but live like a child. Do your adult stuff but think and dream and imagine like a child. Do your adult stuff but welcome people like a child and be unencumbered by the grasping for more and more and live a life of love. I was a youth pastor around here for, I think, 13, 14 years and had the time of my life, absolutely the time of my life. Um, We got to build a youth movement here in this town that was so exciting and so much fun. Um, We got in so much trouble. I just get a couple of examples. At our old sanctuary, and they called it the sanctuary, um, uh, I would drill holes in the beams of the sanctuary and we would put bolts and hang chains and create an aerial obstacle course 25 feet in the air above above the ground. And we would have lifts that take kids up there in harnesses and strap them in. And they would, I mean, our senior pastor would leave town because he didn't want to see it, didn't want to know about it. And uh, I mean, completely like the most unengineered, illegal, I still say safe to this very day. Uh, We didn't lose a single kid. Thousands of kids had a great time in the sanctuary, right? And um, uh, we would great shows. I mean, shows where people are swinging from one side to the other, like pirate ships coming on deal and people swinging and swashbuckling and firing rockets in the sanctuary. We had a blast. None of that I would approve today. (laughs) But um, I was asked to consider becoming a senior pastor around here. Senior pastor, that just sounds boring. I mean, doesn't that sound boring? Senior pastor? I was like, but I love being a youth pastor, but I, I knew I couldn't do that forever. I, you know, you can't be a 70-year-old, you know, youth pastor. I, maybe you can, but I'd probably not. So senior pastor, and my wife and I, you know, wrestled with what would that look like? Because I, I can't be an adult pastor. I mean, I just, I can't. Um, religious adults, frankly, are the worst. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. Religious adults are the worst. And, and not that, you know, you're the worst, but I mean, you know what I mean, just these uptight rules and, you know, gotta be right and dialed in and uh, criticizing every word. And it's like, do I really want do that, to do that for the rest of my life? The answer is a hard no. So we were talking about, okay, well, what does it look like, right? Um, not to be senior pastor or lead pastor, but just to be Scott, you know, here uh, working with a team and that does involve adults and does involve kids. And what would that look like? And, and we came up with something that really we liked and we've been trying to live uh, for now 15 years, we're trying to live this out, that we could be a part of a church that really prioritizes the next generation. Not just our church, but we've got this thriving school, and we've got a rescue mission that puts a lot of effort into into children and children's safety and children's well-being. I can get my head around that. And when we work with adults, it's about mobilizing adults and equipping adults to really help out children and youth and special needs kids and special needs families. Let's get our heads around that. Really dive into this school. So much is done on this campus uh, to really pour into these kids' lives. Our rescue mission, focusing on kids, um, where we lighten the place up. So it's not just uptight religious you know, environment, but we're having a good time. We're having a good time in music and lights and fun and clapping and smiles where laughter is common here, right? Not taking ourselves too seriously. We've got all the truth about all the passages and we're going through this stuff, you know? It's like, we don't take ourselves that seriously. We study the Bible, we have opinions about the Bible, could very well be wrong, right? All right, big deal, we're a learning community, let's go, right? We invite everyone, no one excluded. Everybody can come through those doors and feel warmly welcome and have a blast together. I'm telling you what's being built outside is is truly like the culmination of a 15-year dream to say how can we on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights and Thursday nights and wh- whoever's on this campus at any given time is having a blast. So we've got shade scru- structures going up you can see from space and outdoor furniture out there. We'll have food and we'll have drinks and we'll have great places to play out there. We got two basketball courts, which will include, you know, they can turn into two pickleball courts, so I'll see you out there. Um, sand volleyball courts. There's gonna be so much cornhole going on and ladder ball and outdoor ping pong we've got a foosball table that's coming for 12 people. Have you ever played 12-man foosball on one table? That's coming. So this is going to be for the kids for sure. They're going to have a blast. Children's ministry, youth ministry, have a blast. Guess who else is going to have a blast? We're going to have a blast. In fact, we've got some playground things going on there. I think we're going to have a hard time keeping adults off the playground we're building out there. I'm serious. It's like, let's have a good time, not just for the sake of of having fun, but for the sake of experiencing true, authentic community, where we have the imagination to say, I do believe there's a God, and I do believe he loves us, and I do believe he's for us, and I do believe he welcomes everybody, and I do believe that through the Bible we can get to know Jesus, the full expression of God, and we can learn from Jesus, we can learn from his teaching, we can learn from his life, and we can follow him. We can follow him and watch what it's like for a community to think that love is the only law. Unencumbered by the religious stuff, unencumbered by the political stuff, love is the only law. Let's unify our world by love and let that be an example for the world around us.